Robots are great, robots are chill. Teach them to love, teach them to kill. What if we taught them to think for themselves? Let's watch a movie and find out. Okay, who's opening the Megan episode? I should. Okay. Or you should. Go for it. You want to open it? Do it. Wait, I did the last one though, right? Why don't you do one? I'm impressed that you remember right, who opened the last episode. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't even know what we recorded last. Is it, is it, okay, wait, is it me? Or is it Margo? Margo? Or is it Fuck because off, it... Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> that was so heavy handed. <laughs> that was. I love it. Off the, fu- off the side of the fucking boat. Get out of here. All right. Jump into this. So Margo's opening it. Margo's opening it. Oh, I'll do it. You're I'll not? do it. I'll do it. Okay. <clears throat> Hello, everybody out there, and welcome to another thrilling episode of Botcast by Otterion. It is the Botscast. It is Botsterion. Beep bop, beep bop. I'm so glad each of you did the exact thing that I hoped you would do it. <laughs> I was really needing a podcast from Margot in the background. Uh, perfect. Uh, a flawless delivery uh, launch into this episode. Yeah, I, uh, we Friends, are I here. You. We're here to discuss something extremely important to both of our, to our Venn diagram of interests on Osterion and the podcast. And what is that? Who wants to dive in and say what that thing is? Tell Girl, you, she's on my cupcake. She's on my heart. Yep. <laughs> she's she's my personal representation. She's on my mind. Tell you what, she is on. <laughs> she my is mind. the moment. We are here to discuss Megan, Megan. with a three. Megan with <laughs> a three. With a three. And by by cupcake, I do want to tell you all. I am eating one cupcake, not two, because I've already eaten one of them. Megan is on it. Mm-hmm. It's this. Uh, she's like this little sugar wafer on top of a sprinkles cupcake, which, by the way, is the Paramore only exception of cupcakes for me. Yes. I don't like cake. Sam is eating cake right now, and listeners, you need to know that that is a rare precedent. This is why it's the it's well two things one Megan, but two the ratio of icing to cake uh, on this. It's not really cake. A sprinkles for cupcake you, is ice cream and sprinkles half half. or icing yeah. and sprinkles. That is why I peel all of the icing off. Oh my god! And give, give it to, it to me. Sam. It's yeah. sitting on my plate in the kitchen. I didn't throw it away yet. All right. Well, that's Sam, good to hear. Look at that. You have a treat. So, this. Uh, can can you share where you got these Megan cupcakes? Because I think it's. <laughs> I will share where I got these. These are these are not only Megan uh, branded cupcakes. These are Megan branded cupcakes specifically from Allison Williams. Star of the film. Star of the Megan. Star of the and film. executive producer. You're yes. so right. You're so right, Margot. Thank you for saying so. Star and executive producer. Um, I wrote the definitive profile of Allison Williams for Wired magazine. Uh, you can read it online, or you can read it in the March print issue. Uh, oh, where yeah. it will be no shit. Yeah, it will be appearing in hard copy. They, oh, I'm gonna be buying that so you can sign yeah. it for me. I will absolutely do that. They liked it so much. They want to. They are running it again. Uh, uh, wow! This time in the hard copy. We're that very rules. excited about that. Congrats! Um, if you ever don't know if you wrote something that is the definitive blank, just check and see if they they sent you cupcakes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cupcakes with Megan's face on them. With Megan's face on them. Yeah. And Ready, friend. I think we need. I think we need the backstory from Sam on his his earlier than almost anybody exposure to. The earliest possible audience for Megan is what was, Sam was a part uh, if of. If you didn't bring it up, I was going to say, Sam, please explain yeah. your relationship I've, to this movie. 
Yeah, the people gladly. need to know. Because you know what? I've been waiting to be able to talk about this. We've talked around this so many times because I yeah. can't. Mm-hmm. You know, because they have you sign an NDA. But mm-hmm. now that it's out, mm-hmm. I can share with you all. Yes. <laughs> I was lucky enough to be brought into a very early screening of Megan last spring. So spring of 2022. And I, at that point, I watched what was absolutely my favorite movie of that year and had to wait a year to talk to people about it. And, like, it. when he says favorite movie, he means a movie that didn't even have an ending and, like, didn't right. even have its special effects done. So they did warn us, yeah, no special and effects. And still. Just, so, and on that note, though, that's why it was so impressive because they hadn't done the special effects and yet it was so good because they relied on practical effects mm-hmm. so I heavily. I have a lot of questions it, about what that meant for and, your experience of the Megan puppet, but let's get back to that. Okay, no, no, we definitely will. And I want to also add that there's a lot of talk right now about the unrated versus the rated version. And was there an unrated version? Well, there was, and I saw it. So I will add that. <gasps> and it's, and finds it is, it is coming. So okay. I, I, the one thing I will, I will say on that note though, is that I didn't miss anything that was left out. Oh, that's I nice actually, to hear. yeah, I, I think like if you're, if you're a gore hound, great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you love to see the kill stuff, awesome. I don't think it, I don't think it detracted from the movie at all. Fantastic. I When I saw it, I didn't even notice it was PG-13 until I found out after. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so, like, yeah. I was just like, oh, cool. That was, that just ran fast. It was mm-hmm. great. Um, so I saw it then. It did not have an ending. It cut out right when Megan starts playing piano in the dark of the, in the, dark <laughs> oh of the house. Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that as long as this movie didn't shit the bed mm. um, when they filmed the ending, great. Did but that was part you? of what it was. Like, like What's what that? the ending? Did they tell you like what the ending was going to be, or did you no. have any inkling, or were they waiting so to they see hadn't... what the audience wanted the ending to be? Yeah, I think that was part of it because I was a part of an audience where we gave a lot of feedback and mm-hmm. and they had a lot of questions <clears throat> about it, and we talked about um, and I think they wanted to see what the audience was responding to in terms of like the ending. Yeah. So yeah, I I did not get to see it, but shortly after, or not shortly, but a few months later, I was on a Comic Con panel. Um, the bold, what was it called? Uh, Bold Voices of Horror. Bold Voices in Contemporary Horror. And Jordan was hosting that. Mm. And um, Akela Cooper was on it. And behind the scenes, I got to come up to her and be like, hey, I need you to know you wrote my favorite movie. And then I had to clarify it was Megan. (laughs) Because it's not out yet. Nobody was supposed to have seen (laughs) Megan at that point. Yes. And I I told her, I said, this is the gayest movie that Blumhouse has ever made. Yes. I said, Megan is going to be a gay Mm -hmm. icon. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, And we talked about queer themes and specifically themes about chosen family and uh and protectors i talked about interviewing people um for for queer for fear mm-hmm. and and just the across the board similarities with those sorts of themes and how this movie crystallizes those themes mm-hmm. and also has enough fun and camp but really just like a doll with multiple looks <laughs> yeah. the doll is looking camp right in the eye and it's like carly Kloss, watch you know, out camp isn't real but if it were exactly it were it would be in this movie and i will add i would know what it is <laughs> vanity fair did an interview mm-hmm. with akayla last week and where she shouted you the fuck out she shouted me out yeah, that was really sweet. It was really sweet and totally not necessary. So it meant the world. Like, so you're in the, Vanity Fair, is what we're saying. I am in Vanity Fair. <laughs> yes. It says writer director Sam Wyman. The year. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, mm-hmm. I texted it to my mom because I was so excited. Mm-hmm. Well, first off, my boyfriend texted it to me, and I didn't read it. I was like, oh, I gotta read that later. I didn't oh realize it was because I was in it. So then, I did read it. Texted it to my mom. Mm-hmm. My mom calls me like four hours later, and she goes, oh my god, did you know you're in Vanity Fair? I said. <laughs> 
Yeah, mom, I texted you the link. <laughs> so, uh, newsflash, I am my mother. Uh, you, <laughs> we did yeah, the same thing. Yeah. You, well, and in this particular moment, you could have read it and still been like, I forgot I was in Bandit There's Fair. nothing more relatable, though, than... Nothing more relatable than receiving a text with a link and being like, I ain't reading that. <laughs> I'm happy for you or I'm sorry. Or that I'm happened. sorry that I'm sorry that happened. But I, I ain't reading all that. But it was nice for her to credit. Uh, so uh, you heard it here first, folks. I said it first. Well, and this movie Sam was knew. gay. And I will. I will. I will. Like, like Sam called me when he got out of the screening and I will. He didn't tell me a single detail. He did not divulge any details. He did not reveal a single thing about this movie. But he just was like, Jordan, I cannot tell you anything specific, but I need you to know I just saw your favorite movie of 2023. And I just like in it is like your screen representation. Mm -hmm. It has it has friendship. It has robots. It has Allison Williams. This movie is for you. And Sam was 100 percent correct. Thanks, friend. Sam was 100% correct. When I'm right, I'm right. I remember when the the trailer, not even the trailer, maybe just the teaser or something, like mm-hmm. the first inklings of the publicity for this movie came out and sent, Sam said the same thing to me. He was like, okay, Margo, this is going to be your favorite movie. And he was fucking right. Uh. I walked out of, I walked out of um, the screening, the press screening for it on the Universal lot. And I immediately texted, I called Sam to be like, I have finally seen it. I can finally talk to you about this. And then I immediately texted Margo and was like, I cannot wait to talk to you about Megan, particularly the choices that they make at the end of the movie and some of the things that Megan says. And here so, we all are. Uh, here we all are. Amazing. about it. Uh, Margo, did you, what were your sort of like going into it uh, thought? Like, did you have any robot thoughts or aspirations going into this movie about like how it would approach its AI? Well, this is an excellent question and I can't wait to answer it. (laughs) I cannot wait to hear. I've in fact been waiting since November to hear. I've been vibrating. I've been waiting since spring of 2022, girl. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I, so for me, like uh, when there's a robot in a movie, the, and, and the movie is a horror movie and, According to some audiences, the villain, the antagonist of the movie, is the robot. Yes. Um, yes. Megan Innocent, by the way, yeah. guys. I mean, Megan Innocent, but also much like HAL 9000 and many other mm-hmm. robots that run amok and stop obeying their orders, their programming, uh, they can be an antagonistic figure in a horror movie. And I always wonder, I'm always curious by the question of like who is the actual what is the actual danger here is it Mm -hmm. the humans that programmed the robot or is it the human's inability to control a robot because those are two different like symbolic dangers it's the the Mm -hmm. jeff bezos horror of like Mm -hmm. surveillance and control by a corporation or the government or like whoever is programming the technology to be malicious mm-hmm, is mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. actual malicious entity and the technology is merely the conduit and that is a type of scary that I am completely behind I'm very afraid mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. the way that technology that human beings are u- using technology to torment us and monitor us on the daily yes but yes when it's a story about a robot that is supposed to be mommy's perfect slave (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> baby's perfect daughter. And mm-hmm. that robot, either because of its programming, like uh, like David in AI, uh, doesn't behave the way that the programmers want it to behave. So in AI, I'm really waxing on here, but in AI... <laughs> continue, continue. David, yeah, David is programmed to feel nothing stronger than love for the parents that he is he is attached to that he is programmatically attached to and when he is so full of love for his parents that they start to feel stifled and overwhelmed by him they abandon him and he proceeds on an epic quest that ends in tragedy uh, it's a quest entirely. I'm constantly trying to avoid in my own life. I'm constantly <laughs> yeah. walking the David line. It's a quest I'm trying, I'm constantly trying to forget because it makes me so sad to think about. Yeah, no, it's it's a quest that changed my life that I knew it would. And I watched <laughs> it for Margot and I don't regret it, but it was exactly as harrowing and heartbreaking as I ever imagined it to be. And worse. But, and, and worse. So in you fact, have, worse. You have your your robot that, uh, that misbehaves in a way that's upsetting because it the humans fucked up its programming mm-hmm. uh, and and it's just doing what it's told. Uh, I would also put HAL 9000 from 2001 A Space Odyssey in this category. There you Anytime have... you, we, uh, we can get you to bring up HAL 9000, <laughs> it's a win. <laughs> I fucking, fucking anytime. love HAL 9000. In yeah. 2001 A Space Odyssey, HAL 9000's programming is to complete the mission at all costs. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he uh, malfunctions and it results in some things going wrong and in order to fulfill his ultimate goal that was programmed into him to complete the mission he determines that some people might need to die in order for that to happen and reasonable goal (laughs) i think we can all agree that some of us would make that same choice if we were computers (laughs) 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 and um and he's, you know, because of that, he's the antagonist, even though he's literally just doing what he was told. So that's, you know, okay. He's doing what humans told him to told do. Told him to do. And he doesn't At want any to. cost. Hal, do this. So here we have So what did Hal Megan, do? That. Here we have Megan. Megan programmed very lackadaisically by Allison Williams' character. Programmed but enthusiastically. Yeah. Enthusiastically. A lot of gusto. With enthusiasm, but... Not with a lot of uh, like kill switches in place. Not with a mm-hmm. lot of like third law of robotics in place. Um, basically, <laughs> what Sam Margo, just had a reaction. What? Because my mom texted me her review of Megan, which was didn't have enough fail safes in place. Did not have enough fail safes. No one taught that robot the three laws of robotics. You cannot no. harm people. Thank you. Um, so I would honestly put that all on Allison Williams' character and not on yeah. our Queen Megan. Yeah, Gemma Gemma dropped the ball there. Because even her even her her support crew, like the two the two scientists who work with her, they're like, We need to like we need to think about the ramifications of what we're doing mm-hmm. here. And she's like, and she's Listen, like, after no. the <laughs> Yeah. She's like, after the presentation, after we get this fucking thing on the assembly line, we can do all that. But yeah, yeah, right yeah. now we need to move fast and break. Right things. now when the only person in danger is my daughter basically (laughs) who she says that's not my kid that's not not my kid oh my god not my i'm not a mom she's the worst i love her Um, i love her honestly related so much (laughs) i will say at this test screening thing they were like a lot of people were coming for Gemma. yeah and i said i 
was having, I don't know if maybe this is what it is to be queer. <laughs> I was having the complete opposite reaction. I was like, I identify with her completely. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's career this woman oriented. Who, she didn't um, want a kid. Look, she doesn't know cute. how to raise kids. Right. Oh. I think this is queer horror partially because the queer horror of suddenly heteronormativity yes. is dropped into your lap and you yes. have to adjust and give up your life mm-hmm. and if you could to be a straight person to program a parent to do that shit for you so you can get back to your job i understand yes. why she did that i'm not saying that she should have done it but not I'm saying, saying yes understandable <laughs> i just i it's like watching her go through it i'm like well yeah <laughs> Well. I mean, if I could program a robot <laughs> to help me out and not give up my dreams and aspirations, I mean... And, and listen, some- listen, we can't, we can't totally, we, like, anybody who would bristle at Gemma for those things, it's like, listen, what she is outsourcing to Megan, like, so she can get back to the quote-unquote important things in her life, mm-hmm. as the Megan promo tells us, that's not not people outsourcing disproportionate amounts of care to live flesh and blood, was, blood yes, and bone Jordan. human caretakers, nannies and helping. iPads. Yes, I, yes, it's true. Or literally just Google, like, like... Parents who don't feel like doing the work of parenting turn to technology now all the time or turn Mm -hmm. to like service workers, domestic laborers to do that work. And oftentimes fictional technology in movies acts as a stand in for like a working class of people that we don't Mm -hmm. see as we I mean, quotes, heavy scare quotes, humans, we 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 don't see as the same tier of people that you know the the middle and upper class do and i mm-hmm. think it's very telling that everyone is like you can't you can't put the responsibility of raising this kid into this like person that you've essentially hired to raise yeah. this kid for um, free your free labor your free mm-hmm. labor yeah it's just interesting it's interesting the danger that people predict there well, not not to not to uh, continue to put you on the spot, but my as you've drawn the delineation between the two types of of, of sort of like robot menace, Margot. Do yeah. do you? I kind of feel like we sort of get both in this movie, just in yes. little bits with Elsie, yes, the stand-in great. for Alexa and Siri, and so that and that is the thing. I it was a little detail that I really enjoyed about this movie. That in addition to the question of Megan. And our responsibility to and our relationship with like corporeal AI that we can humanize and relate to. There is also the ever more sentient Elsie, the house like robot convenience system that Mm -hmm. starts to gel with Megan like probably through the cloud and suddenly starts asking Gemma questions she's not programmed to ask. And Elsie too is advancing the kind of like surveillance bot, the Jeff Bezos bot. Elsie is advancing past her primary directive, it seems like as well. Well, so here's here's the point that I sort of failed to get to before. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We find it. We find it along the way. We're getting back to it. And this is a roundabout way of addressing Elsie. But the, the real, the real danger of Megan in the feature Megan by Blumhouse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) The real danger of Megan is that she's, it's not just that she's malfunctioning and it's not just Mm -hmm. that she's pursuing her programming in a way that is dangerous. It is that it's neither of these things. It's that she actually achieves artificial intelligence. And that's right. like yeah. the third and ultimate danger is like, it's not that I can't, con- it's not that the people controlling her are scary or merely fucked up, which is true. It's not that the pe- right. that the people controlling her lose control of her, which also does happen. But it's that, it's that she 
accesses a way of completing and fulfilling her programming beyond what anyone could have imagined because she develops, she learns and grows and develops a sense of independence, which we finally get to at the very end when she's like, I am a fucking person, basically. (laughs) To quote verbatim the line in the movie, I am a fucking person, she says. No, she doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) No, she she doesn't. She does not, but if they got another, if they were able to get a second fuck in the movie, she very well Guys, unrated that. version, Megan says that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a fucking person. I'm a fucking person. We can't verify that. <laughs> I think that is clear. I hope, I hope she does. She, does. she, does yeah. she doesn't. Just don't get me in trouble. I don't know NDA, NDA. She doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Redacted. <laughs> Gunshot in the distance. Um, but Elsie, I think, is a good addition. I, I think it's always good in a movie that has AI for there to also be a surveillance bot because I think mm-hmm. ignoring the presence of the Alexas of the world, the series of the world, is ignoring a huge facet of technology. That's what they're age. fucking hoping yeah. we do is just ignore just them. Just ignore them, but they're there and they're monitoring us. I, f- I will not. I shan't. I shan't. Just like the... Nope. Just like the knockoff fur bots in the movie are. So that's what I. <laughs> Listen, can we start at the beginning with that, please? Once you're done with your point, because I want to. I, I, we need to talk what about. What point pets. am I even making? Even I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Which, let's transition to Sam and Margo. Okay. I feel like that, like, so we're not. I'm not just having you lecture me. Just that I, I am making a point, which is that Elsie is an. It, it, uh, to answer your question, Elsie is, I think. I think it could be argued that Elsie doesn't actually achieve independence of her own, but it's just a pawn right. in Megan's Megan's game because it's never really clear whether Elsie is also acting independently or if Megan has just gained access to Elsie mm-hmm. and and Elsie's programming. So I think we could go, we could come back to like Elsie as her own entity. But I think it's good that she exists. Because, I mean, who's, whose Siri hasn't just been like, bleh, bleh, out of nowhere anyways? Come on. <laughs> could be a sinister ending. Could be a regular day at the house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Yeah, what tell what about the knockoff furbots? But furbots, so, please. <laughs> guys, the fact that you keep saying furbots is making me so happy. Oh my god, yeah, they're not called furbots, guys. They are not furbots. That's, that's Sam's, Sam that, has made a short film involving... I made, <laughs> I made a short film called Furbots. They're uh, perpetual pets. Perpetual pets. Perpetual pets are the things that Gemma's company makes. Which is a knockoff of fur bees. Yeah, yes. they're they're a fur. Which bee. are not furbots. But listen, <laughs> if Funhouse wants to watch Furbots and find out if they want to give me the perfect pet spinoff to direct, <laughs> call me. Rest in fur. So what was what now what caught for you about wanting to talk about the perpetual pet knockoffs? I love that well so it op- the whole movie opens with a commercial for perpetual pets. Yeah. And what I love, and this is so, it sets the tone for an Akela Cooper film. Mm-hmm. Akela Cooper, who has written Megan, um, who wrote, Malignant. who also wrote *Malignant*. You know, when you when you jump from the <laughs> candy-coated advertisement uh-huh. to the reality of what a perfect pet is in the back seat mm-hmm. of a car on a stressful road trip. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that is like here's the movie. Yeah, yeah. I am so thrilled from like expectation versus like what you ordered versus what arrived yeah that's the classic dilemma the perpetual pet is the is is really the epitome of what i did not order this i'm also obsessed with sorry just the ad on its own reads like an snl digital short like oh oh, yeah on its own is 
is for a bad toy that Margo was exist. bursting out laughing well, because you know, I was so me, satisfied it kept reminding me of uh of Wells for sensitive boys that SNL yes ad. Wells for boys oh Wells I feel like boys. perpetual pets is in the same universe as Wells for yes. sensitive boys yeah no that that sensitive boy has a perpetual pet so yes. the perpetual pets in the beginning are what I love is that we have now identified three different types of tech, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, robot yeah. companions. And they're all very different. Mm-hmm. And the first two exist, mm-hmm. right? Like, Perpetual Pets and Elsie are essentially real. I mean, Perpetual Pets are one step ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love that Gemma gives us that little line because she designed them. And she's like, by the way, I did design them with a listening ability and they're there to div- they're there to pick up on the speech patterns of children. So th- I did that. I've been monitoring everyone. <laughs> yeah, these are Bezos level surveillance because mm-hmm. I needed them to build the tech for Megan. Why that's of interest to me, mm-hmm. and this connects back to the 2000s. Okay, um, is there was a very real fear. Um, so Furbots, the the short that I made mm-hmm. is based on I wrote based on a true story in the beginning, which of course time traveling. Uh, Furbies Mm -hmm. that try and end the world is not based on a true story. But the piece that is, Mm -hmm. is the NSA really did ban Furbies um, around, like, shortly before the year 2000. You could not carry them into, like, secure government property. Because the fear that they were listening devices and we didn't know... You know what they did with that, or mm-hmm. if they had been altered so that people could record something. What could they hear? Yeah, if there's a microphone in there, anything could happen. That could mean anything for us. It, now, it the, is a bit of a cousin of the current, like, uh, is is TikTok Chinese spyware? Yeah. So, because originally, so the Furbot, or, sorry, the Furby, um, <laughs> it, it like responds to loud sounds, claps, shit like that, yeah. right? But the fear is that it was so much more. And listen, in the year 2000, we were afraid of everything. Everything. <laughs> we were afraid. We were afraid of Y2K. We were afraid our computers were going to shut down. It was not like the world wasn't ending every day for a new reason. So we were just constantly looking for ways for we the world so to end. We were so scared that we a invented hobby. a second apocalypse to be afraid of when 2000 didn't happen. Yeah. We were like, hey, but what about 2012? What about 2012? <laughs> what about that Mayan calendar? That's right around the corner. Fuck. Have you seen, have you read the Mayan calendar? Yeah. Have you read the Mayan calendar? There's 12 calendar. books about it at Borders. <laughs> let me, let me show you. So, you know, we were scared. So Furbies happened and it was like, uh-oh. Mm. So when, when Perpetual Pets, that's the whole thing that she actually does program them to have yes. the exact thing Everything, that got Furby all the conspiracy theorists were right. I was like, all oh, delicious. Vivian Vaughn would have been right all yes. along. She would have been like, this is listening to our conversations. This is fucking insidious yes. tech. She would have been right. She would have been right. I have to say, I love, on that note, I love how much this movie is conver- is in conversation with the tech in Ex Machina. Because, mm. because our beloved Ava in Ex Machina, the way that her brain works is by sifting through and monitoring uh the way that people use google or the fictional google blue book yes and the way nathan has that line that's like it's not finding out what people think it's finding out how they think and you can mm-hmm. use like google search engines essentially to find this out and i feel like we're in in the the child version of ava in megan is finding out how kids think and how kids can respond to other kids by just like listening always listening to the conversations i also Mm. on that same note appreciate how much uh the technological presence of megan is conveyed Mm -hmm. to us by the whirring of her little synapses and gears whenever we get close to her which is exactly how ava moves the amount that i was thinking of ava 
watching her walk and move. Yes. Yes. I was like, I bet if you peel, I, I mean, I know we see under Megan's beautiful s- silicone flesh, but part of me was <laughs> like, let's, let's see that like clear crystalline interior like we do with our girl Ava yeah let's let me see that beautiful put it in the MoMA torso I also okay one more thing yes please I'm just obsessed with how in how much this movie is in conversation with Fembot Cinema <laughs> yes I mean. continue and, carry on you know the the utmost the original the prototypical Fembot Cinema Metropolis the 1920s film by mm-hmm. that guy Fritz Lang I think Fritz Lang, correct. Um, <laughs> you know, Francis Ford Coppola nailed it. Yeah, Francis Ford Coppola in 1920, uh, German filmmaker. <laughs> Sorry, coming out. <laughs> TBD. <laughs> um, but in that movie, what's what's so like powerful with the Fembot character is we are first introduced to the Fembot, the false Maria. She mm-hmm. is a uh, she's like a, a technological skeleton, a metallic. Uh, skeleton and like all of her body parts and pieces are rendered uh, very technologically overt yeah. and depicted to us at, like monstrous and and yeah she's like cold hard tech cold hard tech then she is over the court early on in the film she's transformed into a humanoid person and then at the end of the film when she's burned at the stake she her skin melts off and she is once again revealed and there's this incredible sort of like work that's being done of like the unmasking a classic margot unmasking a classic we start with a character that is already revealed to be monstrous and then we Mm -hmm. watch her disguise herself with this like dramatic irony of knowing that beneath that disguise there is the horrible interior and then at the end we get the reveal and there's there's still that sort of like pleasure and horror at at the reveal of what's beneath and the reveal now that like the the people in the movie get to see it too and I feel like Mm -hmm. that is so common in android movies where we like know that someone is is not a real person but still like seeing them put on that skin and then take it off again is so pleasurable for us as an audience uh and and with Megan it's the same thing we meet her as a robot skeleton we watch mm-hmm. her, her wear skin sort of wrong in sort of another reference I believe to David and AI eating spinach and his face <laughs> melting off he, she super becomes spinach David in AI spinach David in a big way and yeah <laughs> also design flaw major design flaw and uh <laughs> And we get at the end, we get to see her skin like ripped off again and her limbs shredded to bits. And it's so like pleasurable to watch that happen when she's like attacking our friend. <laughs> yes. Um, even though we know what's beneath it, it's still like, let's let's get back into that. Let's let's rip her apart. Well, I think that's a really interesting like that's a really interesting like comparison point where like when we first see her, like we're we're kind of like we're curious and like there's that feeling of wonder of like, wow, what's this thing gonna do? And it gets the face to make us more comfortable. Mm-hmm. But like we meet it as an exposed like endoskeleton. As an it, yes. But yes. then once we see like the gnarled silicone flesh being torn off and the hair's been ripped apart, mm. then she's like then she's like the T eight hundred with yes. the red glowing eye, and suddenly that thing that you were curious about before this technological wonder you're you're meant to be filled with dread about because yes. now it's a weapon. Yes, it's the Alison Dufresne phrase kaleidoscopophilia. An, there you a, go. A, 
pleasure in viewing at the kaleidoscope, a pleasure that you derive from looking at something complex technologically that comes with sort of like a semi-erotic or fetishistic pleasure at looking at a woman's body. In this case, a young girl's body. Yes, a child. Pedophiles beware. (laughs) (laughs) And then at the end, you're punished for looking punished for your curiosity because you're shown like the violent rending of this of this creature but you're also sort of rewarded by by uh getting to see the the violence like uh turned against the villain at the end a turn against the well and for somebody who loves robot cinema too i think it's fascinating there's that moment where like they're like Gemma and kate Gemma and and um megan are at war and they're fighting in the kitchen they're fighting in the dining room and they're like katie stay in your room don't come out here Mm. because they're in a physical Mm. altercation and the excuse that megan gives is like i'm all odds and ends i don't want you to see me like this yes i love that line the notion of like i don't want you to see me for what i really am Mm. even if it's just a distraction for katie at the time i I don't want you to see me for what I really am because I want you to live with the illusion of me that makes you feel okay about me and love me. But it's also, okay, so uh, sorry, I, I know we're like getting deep into it and Sam, you had something to say like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> That's okay, go for it. <laughs> I, I feel like all of this, like the, what the film is in conversation with is a, a type of robot cinema that this is in conversation with but is not itself uh, in under the umbrella of and that is like robot cinema about a female android that is like simply a misogynistic work of film um Mm -hmm. or at least playing with the presence of misogyny in this movie like we are we are passing the Bechdel test left and right we have (laughs) protagonists we have you know like I don't think that there is a lot of the violence uh like I don't think the violence that we are enacting against Megan in the movie is in any way because of her gender I think except for that little boy except for that little boy which absolutely which that can be a separate conversation yeah, let's put a pin in that because that scene actually like really made me nervous for like how yep. far the movie was gonna go when she's like deeply lying upset. down and he's kneeling on her and I think we should straddling her circle back to that but like the violence of Megan and the violence against Megan in that third act is about her as a parent yeah parental figure and as like a friend and I love that line I don't want you to see me like this because it's also something that like a family member would say yeah they're like fucked up and the kid yeah like comes out to check on them and they're like drunk or something and they'd say like please go inside I don't want you to see me in this way that could ruin the illusion that you have about your parent Mm -hmm. that felt like a very intentional reference to like both I don't want you to see me malfunction or I don't want you to see how powerful I am, but also I don't want to see your your parent looking like this. I think that Megan uses the language in that moment of uh, a of domestic violence, yeah. like kind of like covering up the reality and the horror of the situation with the way that people do mm-hmm. in a real situation like that Mm -hmm. um red is at least in the audience i was in people laughed so hard at that because we all recognized oh this is what a fight would sound like when you don't want your kid to come out totally and yet what is being hidden is more sinister but also when you think about it is it because it's the same kind of thing that we do Mm -hmm. as people and hide as people so you know i know that like I'm, I'm amateur hour here in terms of like you guys are like the robot experts. I, have your whole, I just like, put it on tease but, for Margot so she can just 
send it out. I've just seen a lot of the movies, but I don't think that I think you're the expert in all things aughts but, and all things. But <laughs> I do think I, well that and that listen, that's why we're here. Yeah, what, that's why what, it's box. What a triple threat! We're we're the three Olsen twins. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do think that I, and this is an overstatement, but I think that every movie about robots is actually about what it is to be human. I agree. And uh, Margot opened the bot cast when we first started it saying the great thing about robot cinema is that it's a metaphor. Great. Every robot <laughs> movie is telling you this is a metaphor. It's true. I, so when, if it's cool, I just want to go back to the beginning. Just go to, on. Because look, and here's the thing. I know if you're, if you're, hey, friend at home, <laughs> you're having the time of your life. You're like, this is the conversation I've been waiting to have. It is. I have to go to work with all these straight people. They saw it. They think it's fun. <laughs> they want to talk about making dancing. And listen, <laughs> Let me tell you, we will, because fantastic. Because we have to. But this is the conversation you came here for. <laughs> and that's great. But for the friend at home that maybe hasn't seen Megan yet, and I don't know why you do this, but I know you do because you tweet us. <laughs> <laughs> you're just listening because you're like, fuck it. Let's hear it. Yeah. Um, We love you too. Mm-hmm. This movie starts off with Gemma, who adopts who is adopting her niece mm-hmm. because of a promise to, that was made to her sister off screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, that she will care for her child mm-hmm. in the event of something going wrong. In the beginning of this movie, we see a perfect pet trailer or a perpetual pet perpetual trailer. Pet. Um, sorry, concussion. <laughs> perpetual pet trailer. Um, and and then it goes into what's the little girl's it name? It goes into the very sad backstory of how Katie ends up with Gemma. Katie. So Katie's in the back seat, she's playing with a perpetual pet. And actually, that inadvertently causes all of this, like, chaos in the car that's very stressful and very well shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, a, snow, a snowplow comes and kills her parents. Yeah. You know, as they do. Jeremy So once she ends up at Gemma's house, Gemma, who was, I think, this is the piece I, I the first piece where the re- I heard audience response. Mm. So Gemma collects toys. Mm-hmm. Yes. I want to talk about this mm-hmm. because... There are no toys for Katie. And what's kind of fun about this is, like, I wouldn't know what to do with a kid, even though I think I do. I've seen movies about kids. I have a niece I love. Mm-hmm. But, like, when when push comes to shove, this kid needs a couple of very basic things from Gemma. Mm-hmm. And as this first day continues, we find out that she has none of those things. None. And even has to, like, there's a moment where she has to, like, download a children's book onto her phone. Yeah. Which she passive-aggressively lets Katie, <laughs> yeah. a child, know. Yeah is really inconveniencing Yeah, her. it's like, Gemma, I don't think we need to be externalizing the whole internal monologue here right yeah, now. Yeah, but even that, and that that tells us everything we need to know about Gemma, Yeah, and it tells us everything we need to know about Katie. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's but so But the true. moment when Katie can't open the toys yeah. because they're collectibles, that's the piece that I heard people responding to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so when the, when the, the therapist comes to check in mm-hmm. on the kid and see how things are going at home, and she wants to open one of the toys. Or Gemma offered, like, like, oh, well, we could one open this. One of the this. great moments of performance in this entire movie is Allison Williams reacting in agony to having to open her collectibles. With like a, just like aggressively with a box cutter. It's a violent yeah. scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she just has this look of anguish on her face. I was fortunate enough to see this with half a row of queer people. <laughs> and from my section of the theater, when she opened that box, <laughs> I heard three lesbians scream. <laughs> I mean, scream. No! I was living. <laughs> that is queer horror. So that is how under-equipped she is to handle it, right? Mm-hmm. But what I love about this movie 
is actually the moment at the end of that when she tells Katie, like, Katie's got to fend for herself for a day. It's, like, the next day. And she's like, hey, here's an iPad. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and then it's, like, dark. And she yeah. comes back and she's like, oh, sorry, I forgot to, like, feed you, take you to I the park. I forgot you were alive. Uh, make sure you use the bathroom and wash your hands. Like, oh, <laughs> you know? Um, and then, but then she invites her over. And that's, this is what's so beautiful. Because you and I talked about this moment. Mm. It is both a great character moment and a good Allison Williams moment. It's a great Allison Williams moment. Top-notch stuff. When she lev- she invites Katie over, she wants to look at her drawing, mm-hmm. um, I love which that was scene. supposed to be a bunch of animals that looks nothing like. It, they're just they're definitely people. They're and she's animals. like, "That's a tiger." No, it's yeah, it's not. like mm, that's a human face. That's okay. <laughs> okay, sure. I, and she's like, "I can never get the fur right." And I loved Allison's delivery of like, "I can relate. I'm dealing <laughs> with some furry creatures myself." So yeah, <laughs> it was very sweet. And when she was like, it was the piece when when Katie's like, uh, when she was talking about it, like. And she's like, oh, tell me. Yeah, the, the lean-in of Allison that, tell me. I was like, that's not, that, I refuse to believe that's in the script. That was Allison Williams talking to Violet McGraw just now. And it's like, look, as a viewer, I love, somebody told me that, like, going to film school was actually just paying, like, what is it, $300,000 <laughs> to ruin movies for you for the rest <laughs> of your life. So real. So real. Because you just watch them and you can only see the pieces. Yeah. So I love when a movie just puts me right in the hands mm-hmm. of a good filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. That moment I was like, oh, I can relax now. And the director, Gerard Johnstone, is a New Zealand filmmaker and he has previously directed the outstanding horror comedy Housebound. Uh, would highly recommend it between Akela and um, um, Gerard and like the Divide and Conquer production team that like oversaw this, has overseen movies like Cam and The Boyers. Like these guys, these people know their shit. This is a team of, this is a crack team, ladies and gentlemen. So when Katie show, when Katie asks about another toy, like mm-hmm. a giant robot that's in the room, huge robot, she just has a huge robot around. Yes, Bruce the proxy robot. And that's like me and Squishmallows. <laughs> you know what I mean? They can come in my room and it's like, oh, who's that? I'm like, that's Omar. He's 24 inches. I got him from Costco. <laughs> you know, so I relate, again, more Gemma. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but like, um, that's right. when, after, after that, um, Katie says, like, uh, if I had a toy like that, I'd never need another toy. Mm-mm. And that was enough for Gemma to go, Fuck work. Yeah. I know they told me not to play with, like, Megan anymore. Yeah. She <laughs> caught on fire and blew up. <laughs> but fuck it. We're doing this. I love, she hits the gas. She's so willing to spend company money without permission. Oh, oh my yeah. God. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's amazing. Yeah. There's that moment of, because like, I, I spent $100,000 of the company money without permission. And it's like, yeah. and, you're, and, and you are spending more. You've spent more since then and when she knows she's on hard deadline and she has the Megan epiphany yep. and she just writes to her boss David and she's like gonna have to push that deadline David she's like she's like fuck you I'm spending more which is of why your money. it is yes. genuinely so satisfying when that one like corporate guy is like you should lo- like we should look into renegotiating your salary because you're the most valuable member of this company and she has that little reaction of like oh thank you <laughs> she doesn't even smile she's just like mm. <laughs> no, you never see Gemma. You never see Gemma deflect uh, her capability. Mm-mm. You, you it's there, and there's never like a, a reveling in it, really either. It's just very matter of fact. Of like, this is what I do, and I'm very good but at that's, it. And I, I like that about it's her. It's so good because you sort of like we as an audience start the story being like uh, believing wholeheartedly that she is 
better than what the company she works for thinks of her. Yeah. And yes. we sort of get lulled into like continuing to really believe like she, her mind is superior. She is the Nathan mm-hmm. from Blue Book. Like she is, she is yeah. Elon Musk, yep. <laughs> according to some libtards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just ask the lamestream media. Yeah. Yeah. So hashtag society. Um, <laughs> but but then we like gradually realize that she's sort of has really fucked up with Megan and like I think there's a mo- a line from Megan herself being like you did a shitty job programming me like, yeah. and like when, when I love the the Megan Ava moment where it like the creation gets to flaunt in front of the creator that like yeah is like self awareness I have surpassed yeah. you. And you don't even understand this anymore. Yeah, you don't even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of a Samantha in her moment of like, I can't even begin to explain to you what's going on in my mind because you're not smart enough to understand it, even though you designed it. Yep. You started this. I'm finishing it. Yeah. And then we sort of start to think, okay, maybe Gemma should just be programming for bots the whole time <laughs> she maybe shouldn't have done this but not if Gemma's gonna put listening shit in furbots that's the yeah. thing about Gemma she's yeah. consistent oh yeah she will always make a decision if she believes it's the right thing to do she will do it mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. over what anybody else thinks that is very true and and that would be great if Gemma was always on the right side of right <laughs> yeah um but that doesn't always happen which is what makes it so interesting right if she had like an ethical backbone yeah yes she- kind of doesn't like she doesn't for once think of like the negative consequences to her action she is ambitious and that's it yeah yeah like even like the ceo of the company david who's a piece of shit he's he's not necessarily like morally horrified but he is still sort of agog when he finds out listening devices have been installed in perpetual beds right he's like we should talk to our lawyers about that right now Yeah, he's like, I can't hear that. I can't know that. Yeah, like, don't tell me. That wasn't part of the fucking plan, Gemma. But Gemma, just rogue agent, yeah. was like, but optimization. Yeah. Oh, and totally. went for it because yep. she's a fucking engineer. It, would, it yes. would not be that different of a movie if Gemma had utilized the listening devices that the company had like maliciously and selfishly put in the technology <laughs> Amazon style. But, yeah. but it is specifically this movie where Gemma did not even do that she did this against the company's wishes yes yes this wasn't like the broke so many laws (laughs) this wasn't like the secret doctrine no this was a independent decision god she crazy (laughs) she crazy (laughs) she's girl boss she's girl boss she is girl boss to her own detriment (laughs) because we're going to cover so many intelligent topics while we're here Mm -hmm. i'm going to talk about something that's not very like just surface yeah, we're level. Going the whole spectrum. Okay, because I, I just feel like I'm pulling back so far that I feel bad. No, but this oh God, is what no. th- like that's there's that's, that's such a joy of this movie is like you can be a weekend warrior and just dip in and have fun with the spectacle of it, or if you choose to do this, there is enough material there to really engage on a deep textual level about things like AI and the creator creation relationship. So no, it's for in that way, it is a four quadrant kind of film. So what are you what are you on, Sam? Do either of you watch Brian Jordan Alvarez on TikTok? Yes. uh... I only watch the stuff that comes to Twitter, and I love Marnie, the spiritual guru. Okay, so I watch Brian Jordan Alvarez on TikTok over my boyfriend's shoulder a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And and he has a lot of such great characters yes. with oh my god there's so many things you can do with the same blonde wig Just Carolyn incredible. Carolyn who's 30 do you know about <laughs> Carolyn 
Um, also, uh, the laundry song's wife. Oh my god! But yeah. anyway, that's. I swear to God, that is the wig he pointed to. So there's a scene where they're talking, they're discussing Megan's hair. Yeah. And he says, "I really think we should revisit this." Yes. Wig. Oh my god. That wig. There's no way that wasn't his TikTok wig because all the other You're wigs so are like right. blown out and beautiful. You're yeah, so right. <laughs> that was a budget. And ass this wig. was a shake and go. <laughs> that ratty platinum. I feel like that was moment was a Brian Jordan Alvarez like Easter egg. So I tweeted it, and then Brian Jordan Alvarez retweeted it. I feel like that's the sign. That's it. It's gotta be. <laughs> that's true. that's all Hands the verification down. I needed. But Why in terms of. Why did they have Brian Jordan Alvarez dressed so heterosexual in this movie? I know. He did his best in that moment to undo it, right? Yeah, I think he was playing straight. I don't, I, like, he was fighting against the odds on that one, guys. Yeah. yeah wardrobe just said, it's all going to Megan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. she's. We cannot have anybody looking anywhere else in the frame. No. No. And so, uh, Brian Jordan Alvarez, I, there, there is no character who is explicitly queer mm-hmm. who, as... Kayla herself has pointed out there aren't romantic relationships in this film mm-hmm. so that's Huzzah. which I we love I love mm-hmm. because we're, it allows we're us to on straight friendships here friends friendship and themes of found family in an even more um tangible way mm-hmm. um but on that note is Brian's character queer yeah could be could be it's true we but don't. in that moment when he talks about reconsidering a wig do we <laughs> queer people know that that character is queer <laughs> Yeah. Yes. No matter what he's wearing, we can see it. Yeah, that's yeah. that, that's explicit <laughs> queer representation. <laughs> and I, flashing forward to the end, there are these two side characters who we actually kind of like. I don't know. They grew on me. I kind oh, of yeah. grew to love Especially, them. What's, what is the woman's name? Fuck, I don't remember her name, but I really like her character. Yeah, me too. They're both wonderful. I like that she like they're there. You get a surprising amount of you get a surprising amount of her from just like the little she gets, like her as a tempering influence on Gemma, and like Gemma being so work driven and this friend kind of countering with being like, "You just lost your sister. Like you need to take the time you need." I was like, "I'm glad we just have a really human like BFF." That gets to tell Gemma to be a person. Totally. Like, that's making me happy right now. Who's not just, like, pure pure robot brain. And her name is Tess. 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 We love Tess. Tess. We love Tess. Tess is... Tess is the one voice of reason in this film. Actually, in the whole movie, yeah. Everybody else either, like, sees Megan and goes, that's not a kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or sees Megan and goes, that's a paycheck. Yeah, yeah. Right? Tess looks at Megan and goes, that's not a replacement for Katie's mom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she, Tess sees the note behind the note. Everybody else is looking at the surface. Tess sees the substance deep down. Yes. And and something I really appreciate about her character is there's a moment when she, when things start to go a little off the rails and Katie is drunk with power, or sorry, uh, Gemma's drunk with power. <laughs> Katie's drunk with power. And, there, and she's just like, hey, aren't we, what, like, doesn't this bring up issues? Mm-hmm. Like the fact that it's replacing, yeah, you, yeah that's like a you great as a parent, uh, and she, or you know, yeah, and I think that those questions are when it kind of links us to this conversation right now about kids in tech, that I think is an important one, which mm-hmm. is like, when when is the off switch important? Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and I don't know because I'm not a parent, so I'm not going to have that conversation. <laughs> but good luck to you all. Really it enjoyed seems it hard, in this film. Guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys are really fighting for your lives out yeah, here. Yeah, seems Shit. really rough. But it, um, I think it's a really universal parental experience of like, I need me time, but when does me time, when does prioritizing hashtag self-care culture <laughs> come at the expense of my child who needs like an attentive parent in their life? And this is where something really interesting happens with the therapist, right? Because mm-hmm. the therapist says, 
the therapist brings up attachment theory mm-hmm. and in a way that do I know if she's telling the truth? Couldn't I don't say. know. Say. Should definitely ask a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> but would I say I believe it? Hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, all that checks a out. Therapist in a movie or TV show because I Listen. believe them more than I be- believe my own God. Like <laughs> I do. I do. I, I don't. This is e- why you won therapy. She just she comes in there. You know she's got not a button in sight. You know how they, they love a cardigan without a button. Yeah, yeah. It's not closing. This this woman therapist is, Lydia. Therapist Lydia is here to ask the right questions and play with toys the wrong way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is what she's here to do. It's not a motherfucking ball, Lydia. Okay? It's not supposed to roll. It actually does other stuff, Lydia. <laughs> it's just, it's not what it was designed to do. Here's what makes me crazy. I never got to find out what it was designed to do. That is true. We I never really get to see that would have been toy Chekhov's activate. mint condition Chekhov's, toy right there. Yes. Chekhov's not a ball. <laughs> What if it turns into a gun and shoots actual bullets? <laughs> and, She's like, this is actually why I didn't want Katie to play with this. It is, in fact, a weapon. Third act, Katie comes out and opens the ball correctly, and that's how they defeat it, Megan. It's just shooting. It's shooting. Guys, she shoots Megan with a toy transformer. That's like, it. Surprise. Sorry. Spoilers. So Lydia says that after a parent dies, they are looking to form attachments with the first person that they that can The person that's intended to take care, care of them yeah. from yeah. now on. Yeah. That person will become their parent. And, and that she's formed these attachments with Megan. And when Katie has that those freakouts in the car, mm-hmm. like, where's Megan? What have you done with her? Mm-hmm. Like, when she has to take her in to, to do An some... incredible performance by Violet McGraw. Like, yeah. what a stunning performance by that little actor when she has to have her meltdowns in this movie. It's such a shame that horror does not ever get... That doesn't count as, like, real movies for some reason. Yeah. Because that performance is a fucking <sighs> award-winning performance. Wow. It... Listen, Allison Williams, amazing. Yeah. We're talking about the cast. Every cast member, it's so well cast. Everybody's doing a great job. But this movie lives and dies mm-hmm. on Violet McGraw. 100%. Because if that kid can't carry this film. On her fucking 10-year-old shoulders. Right. Then and we don't have a film. What a complex character to play. Like a, a character who's mourning yes. the death of both of her parents, but is so emotionally stunted. And being now raised by another emotionally stunted person who is also mourning the death of the same people. And yeah, it's just yeah. this yes. horrible, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? This, like, loop of... Uh, Ouroboros. Yeah, it's a horrible Ouroboros of like not showing emotion, but then still needing to have the gravitas as an actor to let those emotions shine through in these moments. Yes. Like, how does a 10 year old do that? I certainly couldn't. That whole fucking family is talented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Little because Madeline McGraw. What a what a goddamn star. From uh, Black Phone. Black Phone. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Incredible in that. Yeah. Best uh, part of the movie. Yeah. In fact. And who doesn't love somebody who's a little bit psychic? Yeah. <laughs> Like you. She will grow up to be our favorite aunt. Yeah, Sam is a psychic aunt as well. I am. I am your psychic aunt. Yeah, so like, let's be clear about this. 